Welcome everyone to the Iron Fist podcast by Fantastic Geek. We are the official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt and joining me as always is Pete. Hello, Pete. I heard a podcast once that said the most banal thing was to listen to someone describe their dreams. The Iron Fist podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 206, The Dragon Dies at Dawn is sponsored by Chen's Livery Car Service, shuttling vegetarians who kill people to prevent the putrefaction of the city. Two things, Pete. First of all, do you remember back in one of our Defenders podcasts when we spent some time talking about the banality of reflecting on each other's dreams in the podcast? That was weird. But more to the point for this episode, Pete, just want to take a moment right at the top here to talk about how Central New Jersey's own Tom Pelfrey rocks it in this episode, showing a whole range of emotions. Pete, I did not know I could be as sympathetic towards Ward as I am right now. Absolutely. And obviously we'll go into deeper detail within our recap and analysis, but yeah, uh, confronting joy, getting into the level to which he protected her from their abusive father physically, uh, really, really poignant stuff. We won't rehash the showrunner change effect, et cetera, et cetera, here. We've certainly done that in prior episodes. But my goodness, Pete, we we didn't learn much new in that scene. But how it was presented, how it was written, and the acting opportunities afforded to Pelfrey, who just took the ball and ran with it, it was a brand new take on this familiar character. And again, just Tom Pelfrey, amazing in this scene and in this episode. You know, the way that Marvel... TV in general works, you know, really silent running. And we saw so little of Ward and Joy in the promotional material. There was some concern out there, like how much would they be in this? And I think this second season is better served for having them back and continuing their story. Time to step inside the dojo and deconstruct this episode. Misty has a chat with Joy and Walker in their mutual friend Colleen's apartment. Neither knows where Davos is. Walker shows Misty a scar from a Czech military-issue knife on her abdomen to illustrate she knows the difference between an idle threat and someone willing to back it up. Joy admits to finding Walker through Rand and explains that she has dissociative identity disorder. She also outlines the ancient ritual in which the heart of the dragon is transferred through the art of Tabori, commonly associated with the Yakuza, done by the Crane sisters who have a tattoo shop in the Iron Triangle. Misty explains to Colleen, Danny, and Ward why she can't book Walker and Joy, because it would bring a media circus. Danny agrees, especially if he's to talk Davos down. They hatch a plan to reverse what Davos did using the tattoo artists. Colleen and Misty leave Ward to watch Danny, Walker, and Joy. Walker tells Joy as soon as Davos is caught that they will be too. Walker picks her handcuffs. Joy can't and won't 
run. Davos driver Chen crosses three names off his list and takes him to the next targets. As Ward whines and Danny meditates, Walker interrupts the Brofest with an offer to take Danny to Davos. The cost for Rand? Half a million. Ward warns Colleen and Misty won't be happy, but Danny plans to bring Davos in while they find out about the ceremony. Ward discovers it was Walker who told Joy he is in Narcotics Anonymous. Misty and Colleen chat in the car about snacks, swords, and sources of employment. Chen drops Davos at a Yang clan chop shop slash oxycotton operation, which he ends while Rhino's squad watches and then swoops in to loot. Joy is forced to speak to Ward. She reminds him he tried to have Danny killed twice himself. Joy admits she feels no need to trip him up because he'll sabotage himself. Ward apologizes yet again, but Joy is glad she got shot because she was like one of the prisoners in Plato's Allegory of Cave watching shadows on the wall. Ward proceeds to go into detail the links he went to protect Joy from their father. The broken arm suffered skiing, a car accident that covered him with bruises. He spared her despite wanting to tell her, packing a bag, buying plane tickets, and getting in a car to go to Joy's place to run away and start over. But he didn't do it, and they are where they are. Walker takes Danny to her apartment, where he finds out about her condition, which can last for hours, days, or longer. Stress can switch Mary, Mary, sad and contrary, back to Walker. An elevated heart rate or adrenaline brings Walker back. Walker can switch to Mary with the sound of running water, strobe lights, or exposure to cold. But there's a house in Arizona Walker plans to move to and watch birds. In Willits Point, Queens, Colleen and Misty find the Crane Sisters tattoo parlor. Misty flashes her badge and wants to know about a Tabori snake tattoo they did on a guy named Davos, with another guy doped up, bleeding, and half dead. The Crane Sisters quarrel amongst themselves that they don't own Davos their silence before they throw down with Colleen and Misty. As Misty chases one of the sisters outside and uses her arm to stop her from leaving on a motorcycle, Colleen seems to enjoy taking on the other two. Walker brings Danny to the site of the ceremony. She won't give Danny the syringe meant to incapacitate Davos. Mrs. Yang surveys the carnage at the chop shop and wants blood for blood. Ward finds Joy on the roof and learns her plan, start her own business to see where they stood. But she resents his narcissism. She did what she did to Danny because she couldn't do it to Ward or their father and says goodbye to Ward for good. Colleen and Misty learn the Crane sisters burned the dragon tattoo from the corpse and mixed the ash with the blood to create the ink. The serpent tattoo was made with steel tabori needles. Colleen asks if they can reverse the ritual. The silent sister tells them they'd need the bowl as well. 
Chen drops Davos off. Davos inquires about the youths on bicycles at the chop shop. They're not going on Chen's list just yet. Danny tells Walker he'll get her the cabin if she doesn't hurt Davos, who enters and explains the work of an iron fist, justice, not murder, despite subverting a thousand-year tradition. Davos calls him out on his privilege and tells Danny he would crush his father's heart if he was there now. Davos wants Danny to fight beside him. Walker sneaks up on Davos and delivers the syringe, but he uses the fist to send them flying. Davos breaks Danny's leg before he loses consciousness. Walker calls for an ambulance to 42 Baxter. Colleen and Misty arrive back at the apartment to find everyone gone. The falling rain and ambulance lights switch Walker to Mary. Danny informs Mary about Walker's plan to buy the cabin, but Mary isn't intent on letting her run away as the EMTs take Danny. Sparring partners, let's take a look at who Danny faced off against in this episode. Pete, we must start with Davos, who continues this, uh, you know, kind of high stakes blood game, killing anyone who he perceives to be causing evil in the city. We also see him, Pete, activating not one, but two glowing iron slash steel fists. And uh, he's uh, he certainly is a, a force to be reckoned with. Virtue here, he says, uh, not villainy. Uh, wants to work with Danny, have Danny take the subservient role, whereas he served Danny before. Uh, ain't even mad anymore, bro. But uh, <laughs> clearly, clearly something obsessive, something wrong with uh, the man Danny calls his brother. I think it's a very believable arc that they have put him on, albeit perhaps a slightly one-note arc, but it's very believable nonetheless that he's been so focused on that virtue and so focused on justice with a capital J and all of that that he really, really has become blinded to what he is doing and how his actions are, are you know, acting, acting opposite of justice and just this trail of literal blood that he's leaving behind him. None of this you know, the product of a virtuous warrior. What part of justice though, makes you want to kill your father who chose to spare your life and let the white kid have the glowy fist. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's just a lesson in getting off on that wrong path. Uh, the path to extremism. Maybe I would like it if either in this episode, the previous episode or some of the episodes, episodes to come, if they hammered home that message just a bit more, you know, Davos can be more than Davos who didn't get the iron fist from Kunlun and now is on a, you know, vengeful uh, quest. Just a little bit to kind of help turn that example into metaphor to, to remind us of the evils of extremism in whatever form it might take. I think that would well serve the story. I think that tends to be a place that Marvel TV oftentimes doesn't go uh the you know season four of agents of shield being a uh, a huge exception to that but you know it, it's okay to push that metaphor a little bit more here particularly when D- 
Davos is doing exactly what some of the villains in our world do. Let extremism turn you around from the message of the original thing. Well, with Walker, we have a contrast in a little bit more sympathetic character, this dissociative identity disorder that she suffers from. And the flip in this episode that Mary is the alter ego and that she is perceived as the disruptor. We had... Obviously, we've seen Mary, we've seen Walker before this episode. Um, we've seen characters with split personalities and, and whatnot before on on screen. Uh, you know, not in Iron Fist, but just in general. This was the episode where it really kind of clicked the horror of this of this condition that Mary is a fully realized person in there, and Walker is a fully realized person in there, and. There is this tension between the two, and there is this great trauma caused each time you know, one or the other returns because you don't know where you just left off. You don't know where life is, but you want to live the life you want to live. And if Mary wants to be a sweet artist who hangs out in coffee shops and does drawings, you know, that's if that's a life fulfilling to her, so be it. And if Walker wants to be kind of a stone-cold contract muscle i won't quite quite call her a contract uh, killer although i think she came awfully close with danny but if she wants to be that kind of mercenary for hire and if that existence makes her happy fine the two are so opposite that there's this battle that the two are having but they can't face each other because of course they're inhabiting the same body and it's not because of chitari or because of warp bubbles or because of the stone or the necklace or the ring it's a real thing and it kind of the frightening nature of it really came home in this episode to me. Alice Eve delivers a masterclass staying in the accent of a woman she's playing and giving us the, the deadpan uh, just absolute unblinking calculating nature of Walker and then the idealism of uh, Mary. I think, Pete, the, the, the prototype I've had for Alice's performance prior to this episode, uh, the prototype I've had is from a, a film property, Pete, that you're not familiar with, uh, that's called The Lord of the Rings. And in the second movie, there's a character who, though in a fantasy <sighs> uh, presentation, I think we would consider nowadays to have disassociative identity disorder and there's this great scene where you kind of see the the two sides talking to each other and it's you know it's very kind of representative of the original motion capture performance and you know acting with a capital a but you see those two sides in concert and in prior episodes i said i wish we kind of saw more of that i mean here you get both characters obviously not kind of what i said that no i said you don't kind of get that that dialogue but it's so strong the difference that i i withdraw my earlier comments that you know she's not differentiating enough the two characters are as clearly different as possible it just took for me to see them in the same episode and to see them kind of so dramatically but um just a i mean alice eve <laughs> such a great addition to iron fist and such a great addition to the mcu Contrary to popular belief, I have suffered through the first two Lord of the Ring movies and then I'm, I'm done. So I get the reference and I'm not watching the one that I know won Best Picture, but you lost me after the first two snooze fests. 
Harsh words, Pete, but a discussion to be had certainly another day. Time to focus our chi and look inside this episode. Pete, you mentioned in your recap a sense of finality between Joy and Ward. I think he's certainly a bit more open to uh, reconciliation than she. Do you uh, do you really believe that that Joy has no room in her heart for her brother, even with this context of understanding the abuse that he was not just going through, but in his mind, and I think probably fairly, that he was absorbing for her sake? Jessica Stroop is a fine performer, but Joy gives me whiplash. One minute, she wants Danny to suffer, then she's hemming and hawing and regrets it and can't get her nerve up to get Davos taken out and back and forth. So when she tells Ward goodbye for, for certain, you know that's not the case. We know that's not the case. And yeah, she'll she'll be back and throw it back in her brother's uh, face. I think Ward at the beginning of this episode makes it plain. She made him feel like he was the evil one, like he was in the wrong all along when she was, they both were. Another question here, maybe a little less theory uh, compared to fanboying, but oh my goodness, Pete, can we please get the Crane sisters Misty Knight and Colleen Wing. Can we get them all together on some sort of, uh, you know, super team here in the future? Uh, I mean, Mary Kirk, uh, one of our huge, uh, fantastic geek fans out there. Uh, she contacted me and she was like, when are we going to get the Daughters of the Dragon series? And it's it's really if it can even be spun off, Matt, I mean, we were talking in our last episode about, well, what are even the contractual constraints now, given that Iron Fist has gone from 13 to 10? Did they count one of Finn Jones episodes in uh, Luke Cage towards a 13 episode season two count so he's really done 11 and you'll get to elsewhere and how that might work but given that disney play is scheduled for the second quarter of 2019 um yet is going to hold to very family friendly fare what's on netflix will stay on netflix can a new show a new marvel netflix show come out can that be spun off at this point or is it just too complicated does disney not want to provide what's going to be a competitor albeit with some of their content in netflix with more content i know that netflix has repeatedly said that as long as they want to make you know marvel netflix uh properties they have the ability to do so now, I don't know if that includes a trapdoor like, and if we don't make anything new after three years, it reverts, um, which is certainly more than possible. I mean, that's the that's generally the case with the X-Men films and the Spider-Man films. Like there's a there's a ticking countdown each time a new one comes out and there's X amount of time for there to be another one made or it goes back to Disney, blah, blah, blah. So there's that as a factor. Now, I don't know if if, if spinoffs count or not. I know, Pete, we've heard 
we've heard privately from some other properties that there can be a difference, certainly in, in, in a legal sense, when it comes to entertainment companies, there can be a difference between a pro, uh, pardon me, a spinoff and a new show, and those can count very differently. I won't say which property I'm talking about, but uh, you <laughs> know we've heard things, so that could be a factor too. You know, is is Daughters of the Dragon a, an Iron Fist, Luke Cage spinoff? Therefore, it's Netflix. But if you decide to do, you know, I don't know, if you decide to do uh, Moon Knight in New York City, that you know, that's you know, no way Netflix is going to touch that. You know, I mean, that's, I think, uh, perhaps a bit of an extreme example because one clearly is Netflix and the other clearly has never appeared. But these are all good questions. And it, also, at what point, Pete, are they doing, at what point is Netflix doing some kind of minimum episode order to just keep this stuff out of Disney's hands? You know, I mean, I, I don't know. Net, only Netflix knows the numbers, blah, blah, blah. But I think that's a concern, too, that maybe if you go, well, it's it's dwindling rewards. But darn it, we're not going to let all these Marvel Netflix episodes just up and disappear. So, uh, yeah, we're going to do 10 of Daredevil this year. We're going to do 10 of Punisher next year. You know, I don't know. It is some very interesting inside baseball in that these types of arrangements have never really existed before. And all the reason to get what you can of these characters while you have them instead of saying, I'm not going to watch this TV show because I don't like Danny Rand and I'm not going to eat my vegetables so I can have the dessert that is the Daughters of the Dragon uh, in these last couple episodes. Oh, you mean, Pete, like in the showdown between the Crane sisters and Colleen oh and, and Misty where, let's see, you got uh, two women of color, uh, three Asian women, a whole bunch of people doing their own stunts for much of them. Um, I, I think that maybe there was a couple moments where Jessica Hennig, as who was genuinely performing the stunt, it kind of looked like this might be going a tad slower versus if you got a stunt woman. But I'll take Jessica Hennig any, at any time doing her own stunts. But all of that going on there, all these tough, tough women oh i can't watch it because the danny rand's a white guy uh, okay uh he was in maybe half this episode i don't know what to tell you i i don't know either but that was a, a tremendous scene and you know let's let's get more of those um speaking of crime matt uh misty they they mentioned in the beginning of this episode uh that davos has these connections to organized crime Yet he basically needs Chen to Uber him around to find criminals and kill them. Um, I think that that is one example of a couple of examples in this episode, which is a perfectly fine episode, um, uh, an episode directed by Philip John and written by Matthew White. Um, I think this is that's an example of some of the hand of the writer showing in this episode. You know, what's the what's the narrative alternative? Davos by himself, which means who can he talk to about these things? No Davos. one. <laughs> yeah, to himself, which is which is always crazy on screen when somebody narrates to themselves. You know, it works great in the comics where you have the thought bubble. Pete, it's part of the reason why Karen the suit is a suit in Spider-Man Homecoming because somebody mm -hmm. figured out you need to have wisecracking Peter Parker wearing his mask and talking, 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 but he can't talk to himself in thought bubbles because that's not how that's not how it works, even in kind of, you know, hearing somebody's thoughts. But there's that. 
There's also the very clear, this is what brings back Mary from Walker, and this is what brings back Walker from Mary. There's also the delineation of, here's the five-step process to turn Davos into the Iron Fist. Wait a minute, if we went five, four, three, two, one, I don't know, sometime in the next four episodes, maybe we could make Marvel's Iron Fist be Iron Fist-ly marvelous again. So again, some kind of hand of the writer there. Sometimes it's necessary. No disrespect meant there to uh, to Mr. Mr. Matthew White there who wrote the episode. But between the Ubering and the the other clues of other characters, whether it's Mary or the how the Crane sisters are going to undo this, I think it all fits in the umbrella of you know writerly proof that we need to do certain things because we need to do them. Have we seen a diminishing of what an Iron Fist is? Yes, there was much made of Walker uh, following Danny for two months, learning how he fought, being able to use her little, um, I'm not even sure, it's not a garrote wire, right? She doesn't use it to, to choke him out. It's it's like rope. I think it's uh, it's similar enough to a grot wire, but yeah, but yeah. To, to grab the fist and, and to avoid it. But how can she grab how how can she get these iron fists? It it just feels like it, it's diminished. I mean, I think we're kind of back in the territory of Superman and Kryptonite here. Um if if Whoever has the power of the Iron Fist, if all he or she had to do to stop any fight was just punch the ground and there's a sound wave in every direction, then every fight would be three seconds long. I think it's better this season because the fight choreography is better and we kind of know, you know, we know it doesn't need to constantly be the A-bomb maneuver that we're here to see an awesome fight and some character banter and whatnot. But I think your point is a good one that... You know, I mean, Mary, who she is highly trained. Walker is highly trained. There is no doubt. But she didn't spend her entire life in a monastery doing one thing, and that was using martial arts so that she could protect the world, you know, so that she could protect this order. Uh, she should not be on the same level as either of these Iron Fists, but she is because story needs it. So, yeah, I think I think the the power of the iron fist has come down to the level of whoever he's fighting what is davos interest in the kids on the bicycles and follow-up question do you think he wants one of them to put a milk crate on the front of their bicycle so that he can wear a hoodie and get them to fly over new york city and make his fist light up in the front of his chest like et danny I'll be back for you. Phone Conlon. <laughs> um, I think I'll there too we're getting. I mean, look, we're obviously getting some setup because it's unresolved in this episode. But I think I, here's what I would propose, Pete. Again, knowing nothing about anything after this episode, um, except for just the teensiest bit about Walker's past. Um, I think that that might be the setup for the bridge too far, where all of a sudden somebody. Uh, somebody says, you know, no, you can't kill these kids. They're just rascals that, you know, fish dollar bills out of the dumpster and, you know, take uh, old recycling cans and get nickels so they can feed themselves. And, you know, they're not they're not dope dealing opium fiends or whatever. I think that's maybe where we're headed. Um, 
but you know they're pete they're certainly they're living there at their lower level and uh, they don't need davos to help them along for good or ill while davos may not be able to touch a flower and make it regenerate matt that power has been bestowed to us by our patrons at patreon.com Indeed, Pete, by visiting patreon.com slash fantasticgeek, they're helping keep the heart of the podcast beating, glowing. Pete, each time we get in front of these microphones, we get to phone home to all our listeners. And uh, that's made possible because of the storage and the bandwidth. And, you know, basically all the stuff that powers ET's ship, that's what also powers a podcast. So thank you to everybody who's uh, checked out patreon.com slash fantasticgeek to keep us all along for the ride. Every contributor gets access to exclusive podcast content. And then there is the guy with the keys level. There is the uh, fungi level, any level you'd look to donate at that you can. So thank you again for all your help. Let's listen to some messages from the mystical city of Kunlun. Now, Pete, this email here, okay, there's all, it comes with warnings and it comes with all sorts of terror from me as somebody who tries to live life, hashtag spoiler free. The subject line, Pete, Iron Fist season two thoughts, open parentheses, spoiler for spoilers for all of it, capital letters, all of it, close parenthesis. Pete, this sent to us by our pal 084. Now, Pete, I'm going to read just the first couple of points here because mine eyes will just melt if I see spoilers. So I'm reading very carefully. And we had even discussed when we first got the email, like, Pete, should I forward it to you so you can read it? And it was like, no, 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 I'm going to, I'm going to dip my toe in here. So here we go, Pete. And if you hear any spoilers, you press the red button. So, okay. Hey, Matt and Pete, I found you guys a while ago and I've been listening to your backlog of every MCU so I'll be at that for a while. First of all, Pete, let me stop his words and say, excellent choice. Thank you. Thank you. The only ones who have done it. There are other people who say they're doing it or who plan to. But we're the only one who's got them all. Uh, he continues to say, love the podcast so far. Here's my regrettably extensive thoughts for Iron Fist Season 2. Do not regret it. 084. We're going to get through this email in the next couple episodes as we get closer and closer to the end of the episode. Regret nothing. Don't regret your passion. Don't regret your email. Um, so first bullet here, Pete. That was a crazy ride. The middle episodes feel like they had that patented Netflix lull, but I think it worked here. Lots of build up to a big showdown felt very much like a kung fu movie to me. And episodes 8 through 10, not going to get spoiler, Pete. Episodes 8 through 10 were pretty damn good especially the last part of 10, but we'll get there. So Pete, there were some slower talkity talk points in this episode. I would agree, but mm -hmm. I felt like the character stuff rose above it. Even though I was like, look, low lighting and a bunch of people like yelling at each other. It, it still felt, it didn't feel like the lull it just felt like we're in the middle of a season. We're, we're, we're feeling the feels. We're discussing our feelings. The, the 10 episode uh, length here, is the right choice. I, I feel like so many of these scenes at Colleen's apartment in a longer episode order might really, really drag it down. But like you said, it's, it's character service here and character has to come first. 
Last bullet that we'll read from today from OH4, just like last season, Tom Pelfrey and Jessica Stroop's performances deserve all of the Emmys. It was refreshing to see uh, one of them not just give us whiplash as to their allegiance, and Ward's arc hit a lot of levels with me, even if it didn't have uh, a lot to do with the main plot. But we did need to have a character portray uh, a struggling addict uh, to play with the overall theme of addiction that ran through the season. Uh, and seeing him refer to Danny as his brother all season was so great, given where they started in season one. Uh, a week four goes on to say, Joy, meanwhile, did uh, oscillate a little bit, and, and we'll get into more of OH4's thoughts in the future. But certainly, Pete, where we're at now in in uh, podcasting the season, I think really reflected uh, in that email so far with uh, a lot of great character stuff, a lot of great stunt stuff, and a much improved season. As much as I'd like to see Tom Pelfrey and uh, Jessica Stroop uh, rewarded with Emmys, there is a hardcore bias against this type of TV there. So I I think just the notion that they're turning in award caliber work uh, is, is a wonderful thing. And, you know, it's, it's tough competing with the games of Thrones and the West worlds and HBO and uh, AMC and the, the very, very limited uh, group that gets those honors. So just feeling like they're heading in that direction. Uh, not, not that it's a consolation prize, but it's super select to, to wind up there, particularly with comic book TV fair, which tends to get denigrated. Can you imagine what it'll be like when Marvel TV and FX are under the same umbrella and yes there's legion which is a marvel tv production by way of mm-hmm. noah hawley and da, da, da. but like when there is the true ability to share all that behind the scenes talent you know that could be quite a moment but it could it could and and you know matt and i talk off mic all the time you know they have produced over 300 episodes at this point of Marvel Cinematic Universe TV, not all of those have aired, but you think about that in, in just about five years time, how much they've been able to do. I mean, 52 weeks in a year and an average 60 episodes a year. Much of that has been very, very heavy in the last two years. And as I was thinking during the recording of our episode here, Okay, you've got over 100 of those episodes for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. alone. And then uh, uh, Marvel Netflix surpassed uh, 100 episodes with season two, the first episode of season two of Luke Cage. So the the rest of the almost 300 come from Hulu and Freeform and a couple other, uh, you know, um, ABC offerings, Agent Carter and Inhumans. My point is this, that now with this FX stuff, the best days could actually be ahead, which I think is saying a lot given 300 hours of TV to this point. So for everybody on Twitter who's trying to get the campaign for Inhuman Season 2, which, yes, Pete, 
is a real campaign. I don't know that there's many people behind it, but you know what? Maybe the best please, season. Please don't do that to Fantastic Geek. Don't <laughs> don't do that to us. It was a lot of fun to do because <laughs> we kind of had to have fun with it rather than to treat it so serious. But, you know, wh- why you hate us? <laughs> Pete, I'm gonna make a uh, I'm gonna make a black bolt sign right now to everybody who is uh, <laughs> who is campaigning really hard for Human Season Two. I'm, I'm and... doing I'm doing two Ward style right now. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, Pete, whether people want to talk to us about Human Season Two or the future of Marvel Television, when uh, I don't know, maybe Jeff Loeb's boss is John Landsgraf of FX, uh, or the building of Marvel TV Land at I don't know, Disneyland, Shanghai, whatever the future might hold. How can people be in touch with you? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R-9,000, 977 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more facebook.com slash fantastic geek with the ph all one word like it today made a request a couple episodes to get uh, a couple episodes ago to get some more likes in there uh keep them coming man keep them coming share that out whenever you see the posts need to continue to build that brand and in the new york comic con uh all sorts of people expecting us to bring them the runaways the daredevil the star trek discovery and all that other goodness so thanks for your help in advance yeah who else is headed to new york comic-con let us know love to love to meet up say hi etc with that pete it'll be friday before you know it and we will be talking episode 207 of iron fist but for now this wraps up our reflection on episode 206 so i will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word next time i say habanero Get me habanero. <laughs> <laughs>